Allow me to introduce myself. My name is The Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. Thank you so much for coming to Utica. Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase Sportzilla Show. It's a Utica expression. Rain man, good to go. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. Wait, I'm ready. Uh Uh The Sportzilla Show starts now. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. The Sportzilla Show with head coach of the Utica College men's basketball pioneer, Sean Coffey. It's Coffee for three. And I just want you to know, Sean, before we discuss the most recent win over Alfred or we preview any of your upcoming games this weekend, that Gary Heenan, his goop, looked good, but it is a little bit thinner on top. I mean, that's what I heard somebody say. But that guy had some great things to say about the coach in Herkimer by the name of Gabrielle Coffee. I mean, he was raving about Gabrielle yeah. Coffee. I mean, he said some fantastic things about her, really recognizing her uh, just being a, a good mom and a good coach and a great person. He wasn't too sure about her husband, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I have gotten that a couple of times that, you know, I'll, I'll kick my coverage a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Didn't we her, all? But, um, Didn't we all? <laughs> you know, but so so I'll take that, you know, I'll be the lesser of the two halves. So I'm a lucky guy. But yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he said some nice things about her. I had to catch up on on some podcasts uh, and some some live radio with you guys, uh, listening to what he's got to say now. So, and I got to say, you guys, uh, you know, there's a little instigating going on over there in that studio. And, you know, I, he was trying to get out of that. I think pretty nicely. I think he was lured back in a couple of times, especially by the glue guy over there. So, oh, um, <laughs> the glue guy's not in here with us today, but we're going to let him know. Oh, yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I I may have had something to do with that, suggesting a chirp. He was trying to throw shade. May have, Scoop. Mm -hmm. May have. (laughs) Listen, we love having both of you guys and everybody from Utica College on the SportsZilla Show. All kidding aside, did you, so you listened to the tape. Did you have anything that you wanted to say, or should we just let that? I mean, this is you guys going again. But, yeah, I did listen. And uh, like I said, he said some nice things. You could just kind of hear the the fear in his voice a little bit that that there's someone else in town now, you know, kind of creeping up, uh, you know, starting to steal some spotlight around here. So I got to give our our players a lot of credit, you know, our staff a lot of credit for working hard. Um, And, you know, I don't want to sound like every other coach around here, but we also don't play in a pro facility that serves beer. So I'm going to get on Dave Fontaine, you know, to start serving some alcohol at our games. And, you know, we'll try to even the playing field a little bit. But uh, no, they do a great job. He's having a tremendous year. I've been told many times, you know, the, the more haters you got, you know, it means you're doing something right. So I want I want a hater a day. So you know, if, if I'm not getting that, then uh, you know, you know, then that just means you're not really relevant. So um, so keep it coming. I, I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to in- inspire passion in, in the fan base, yeah. right? Either positive or negative. You don't want them indifferent. Yeah. That's the thing. Fact remains, boy, you got the record this year to really back up some claims. What a season Utica College basketball is having. There is no doubt. So let's talk a little bit of basketball with you right now. Start with the win, the 85-68 to win over Alfred on Senior Day. But I want to deflect to Scoop to set up the question a little bit more because you were, you were shocked. We had talked about this the other day right here on SportsZilla with weather and everything like that. 
We didn't know if it was actually going to happen, but it ended up happening. Well, yeah, and the Houghton game got moved, and I wasn't really sure, mm-hmm. would you still have the senior day activities? Would, the, would those get moved with the Houghton game? I wasn't really sure how that worked out, but talk about the senior day a little bit. We had that planned. It was going to be that Saturday no matter what. Um, that actually happened my senior day uh, where there was a snowstorm and things got pushed from Friday, Saturday to Saturday, Sunday, but we kept the senior day Saturday you know, just with the families planning their, their travel, um, you know, but it was a little different. Just we were pushing the opponent um, from Friday to Saturday. So we just tried to keep the plans the same. And, uh, and Houghton, we, you know, they do have, they are a, a religious school, a Christian school. So um, the rest of the league played Saturday, Sunday, but they do not play on Sunday. So we were, we were left with the one game. So we will make that up uh, next Tuesday. Um, but yeah, so it was a, it was a really nice day. Got some guys out there playing some extra minutes. Uh, Justin Strokowskis is in particular. He had a nasty injury the third game of the year, and and it was you know he, he's been busting his butt rehabbing. Just started practicing a couple of weeks ago, trying to get his win back, and uh, so it was really nice to get him back out there starting again, which he had pretty much started his entire three years going into his senior year this year. And then the injury kind of set him back with everything. Um, so it was nice to get him back on the floor. And he gave us some extra, some really good minutes too, just being tough and strong and just getting that, that extra experience on the floor again. And he's going to help us down the stretch here, um, guard some bigger guys. And uh, he's a good, he's a great athlete. So um, he helps, you know, with switching defensively and, and he can guard multiple body types, but uh and then Ryan Johannes, um, another worker for us, transferred in a couple of years ago. And then Hunter Remley will be back as a grad student. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was a great day for the families. And they went out there and played really hard. And our younger guys got to kind of see the tradition starting to, you know, form in front of their eyes as far as watching these guys go through this. And, that you know, one day that'll be them. So um, it was just a really nice day. And it was good to get a win on, on that day. Ultimately, it was an 85-68 win for you guys. But in the first half, you'd get out to a lead. I think you had a lead as big as 13 points at one point. But mm-hmm. uh, you get to halftime, and they were right on your heels, 43-40. Yeah, they hit a buzzer beater, kind of a broken play. They had, uh, at the end of the half, uh, kid threw up a floater and, you know, tough shot. You know, low percentage shot that went in. Um, and we just had a couple, you know, poor possessions leading into that finish. Uh, after being up double digits. And, you know, they are the defending Empire Eight champions. So they've got a bunch of guys on their team who have been in big games and they're fighting for their playoff lives um, if, in this game and uh, giving us their best shot. Um, so, again, that's just kind of the game we have to play sometimes that we're going to play against good teams. Uh, it's not going to be double-digit wins all the time and certainly not going to be double-digit halves. Um, as far as a lead, um, but that's why we play 40 minutes. We don't play 15 or 20 because we probably lose a lot of those games. And, you know, we just try to use our depth. You know, we're playing 10 to 12 guys, and you can just see, you know, the second halves of games where we just start wearing people out. And I think they shot 50% in the first half, and I believe they shot 26% in the second half. I think they only made six shots, something like that, in, in the second half total. So we really turn up the defensive pressure, ball pressure, and, Again, it's just the depth and just wearing people out as we get into minutes 25 through 40. Uh, it's just hard to keep that that pace, keep that momentum, uh, and just sustaining making shots throughout a long game. 
So that's kind of been the blueprint uh, on top of just being having good, talented players on the floor all the time. This is the instigators on the Sportzilla show with John Coffee. <laughs> Coffee for three here. ESPN Radio, Utica Robe now at 96.5 FM. As we're talking Utica College basketball, I looked and I saw that ECAC Rookie of the Month is Thomas Moriel after numerous Player of the Week awards. And he didn't start the season with the minutes that he's getting now. He has earned his role on this team and he has taken it. He has seized the opportunity and just a crucial guy on this roster. They need every guy on the team. It's a very deep team. We've established that. But you got to heap the praise on number 21. It's just great to have a kid coming in and perform, not just for basketball, but for life. It's great for him to have the success right off the bat. And you got him for the next three years. Yeah, he's a special player. Uh, The local connection has brought more people in the gym. I mean, the, the town of Whitesboro loves the kid. He's just a very humble kid. He's and when a lot of other kids, that, you know, are getting this type of success so young and so quickly, um, you know, we we'll let that go to their head. So that's a testament to his upbringing, to his family, and just a level-headed, good kid that he is. He's just a good person, um, and and just you know, getting the ECAC Rookie of the Month. Um, I don't think I've ever had one of those of anywhere I've been, and. Not only has he won, he won January, but then, you know, Brett Talbert had won yeah. December Rookie of the Month. So uh, the two of them, you know, it's scary thinking about how good they could be if they can stay the course and keep doing what they're doing in the, in the classroom. Tommy had a four all in the first semester. So just all around incredible kid and a great, again, a great testament to his family and how he's been brought up and, uh, and to the college that these types of students – are matriculating into our college and, and playing high-level athletics for us and, and being difference makers on the floor. So, yeah, huge honor. And to have two of them in one season is kind of unheard of. So I'd, I've never heard of it. Um, so we're kind of laying out the carpet for the for the future seasons, and um, and that's where Heenan should be, you know, really uh, – you know, worried about because we're, we're, we ain't going anywhere for a little bit. So, <laughs> well, I think so too because Sean Sean Coffee with Utica College Men's Basketball Pioneers here with us on the Sports Illustrated Show on ESPN Radio. But you were quoted as saying, as far as Senior Day is concerned, the class of 2020 is a special one in Utica College Men's Basketball history. They're my inaugural re- recruiting class, and they've been a major part of the program's resurgence. And that brings me right back to Thomas Moriel, Brett Talbert, the freshmen, the rookies. Do you see interaction between? those groups of players, your first-year players and your fourth-year players, as you've established over the past four years, this culture that's led you to this really so far a stellar season, do you see them passing that along? Where, in other words, you got a good leadership group, and sometimes you got to stay out of the way and let let those upperclassmen lead the way. That's got to be a, a great thing for you to have at your disposal as a coach. It, it is, and it's so much of what we talk about with our culture and how we want this to happen. If it's all coming from me, all the lessons of how to go get through certain rough spots of a season of a, you know, academic year of practices of just the, the small nuances of, you know, defense. And if I have to do it all and use my voice all the time, we're just not going to be that good. So we've talked about teaching it down from class to class and that's where these older players, they've been around for three, four years, and they have, they are teaching it down to the young ones. And that's not always easy, you know, 
you're used to being the one, you know, the young guy or no one's really expecting a whole lot out of you. Um, and then next thing you know, in blink of an eye, you're a junior or a senior. And now you're the one that's got to help the young guys. And, and that's been our recruiting philosophy too, though, which can be hard for the older guys to swallow. It's like you guys are getting, bringing the program to another level where we are now able to get involved with much better basketball players, more talented players that are frankly trying to come and take your minutes and take your position, you know, in the starting lineup or whatever it may be. And to not get caught up in the personal stuff and understand that these young guys are very good and that we need them to be very good if we want to accomplish the types of things that we're setting ourselves out to, to go and get. Um, you got to be self-sacrificing to to a huge degree, um, knowing that these guys are chopping at your heels and if you're, you're teaching them too much, they might get it really quickly and all of a sudden their talent just takes over and you're the one sitting. So um, I give them a ton of credit for – kind of just allowing this process to happen. And again, back to our recruiting philosophy. It's like I tell these guys, I'm not bringing in people to come and play over you, but I want to bring in recruits that were honestly just better basketball players or high, more highly recruited players out of high school than you were. Doesn't mean they're better than you right now. You, you've got the leg up as far as experience and years in the system, in the program that you can lean on and, you know, in the weight room and just being older. But um, my job is to get guys that are better, that are going to be better than you at the end of four years than you were at the end of four years. And sometimes that's hard to, hard to hear and hard to, to swallow as a 20, 21 year old. So, um, but they've done a great job and that's part of why we've had our success and part of why these freshmen have been able to just kind of seamlessly move in there and just play and not have a ton of pressure. And, and they're just, they frankly are just, they just know more because of the older guys. And it's, it's a testament to those guys for sure. So it's a road trip to Rochester preview. These two teams are going to play on Friday. It's Nazareth college, Saturday, St. John Fisher. Yeah. I mean, these are the two losses that we have in our league are these two. And, and they were at home with that bad weekend and where we could have had, you know, one ball of them. I think we are a better team since then. I think kind of a little wake-up call that weekend of, yeah, great, you beat Hamilton in a non-conference game. You beat some other really good teams, but, you know, you can't look past anybody in your league. And the regional rankings just came out, uh, which is a big deal as far as at-large bids for, for our level. And, and we just got ranked fourth in the region, in the East region, and neither of them were ranked at all. So I'm sure they're a little uh, ticked off that, that they beat us at our place and neither of them are ranked currently. So they got a point to prove as well, but yeah, it's kind of a revenge weekend. We're going in, you know, home court and hosting is still on the table. So they're huge games when it comes to that. So if we're able to go get both, we put ourselves in a really good position to potentially have the one seed and host a playoff game for the first time ever in Utica college men's basketball history. And, and they, they both have to play each other again. So someone's going to lose another game between the two of them. So it's a tough place to play. Both places have great fan bases. Division three basketball is a huge deal in Rochester. They have great crowds. um, And they're just, they're both really good and they're both really good at home. So they're going to both be battles. We end up splitting or dropping two out there. You know, we're going to, walk away positively because it's, you know, that will likely mean that the path to the NCAA tournament and winning the Empire Championship is going to be through Rochester, one of the two. So 
kind of treating it like a dress rehearsal, if you will, you know, staying in the same hotel, uh, eating the same type of things, getting in that routine and just having been there a couple of weeks earlier when, you know, those are the, those are the big ones you went to and you're in the NCAA tournament, which is the unique part of our league. So we just got to go out and compete and they're both really good, but I think we're different teams since the last time we played. We wasted so much time at the beginning, instigating your rivalry with <laughs> coach Heenan. Just wanted to bring up a point. Instead of asking a question, I just want to acknowledge MVCC NJCAA number two rank team at 22 and two. Maybe when you're looking at a, a transfer student or two, there's some guys in your own backyard. I think we'll talk about that more in depth next week. Sean, thanks for the time, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, and pass along uh, Heenan's regards to Gabrielle for us. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> appreciate the, t- for. <laughs> appreciate the time, right. as always. Sportszilla Show, once again, ESPN right. Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. The Sportszilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. It was a fun chat with Sean Coffey. Well, Coffey for three little Utica College basketball. You know something? Keep it up. I mean, he's four years in. Gary Heenan, they have a little fun throwing shade and chirping. All in good fun, of course. But keep it up for as long as Gary Heenan has. And that status starts to rise in Central New York. Some good basketball being played, I'm telling you right now. I don't think I can be on during these uh, interviews anymore. Sean Coffey isn't too happy with me. Yeah, where were you for the for the opening segment with Sean Coffey? Getting food. It was a potty break. No, yeah, that, that's that's radio code. It's World Radio Day. That's code for potty break. We used to when I was doing the K Rock thing, you know, full time. Especially when I first started, we'd be doing overnights. Scoop, you've been there. Yeah, you've done an overnight. So in in the K Rock format, I mean, going over twenty years ago, but it was it was Oasis. Champagne Supernova because it was about 6.45 and it was the longest song in the format. So if you're in the building doing an overnight by yourself, there's nobody else there just in case you need the longest song possible. You can't be doing it with a three-minute you know, rock song. You can't do it with a two-minute and 42-second, all the small things from Blink-182, for example. You need, actually, like back in the day, it was the live version of Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah, you're going you get about 14 minutes there. So, so you can really take care of everything that you need to do. Yeah. Pay some bills. Yeah. <laughs> that amount of time. Uh, that's just standard operating procedure, I think, at this point. So Sportzilla Show back up on at ESPN Radio. You can roam at 96.5 FM. The Comets won 3-2 to two last night over Laval. Let's start there. Jason King was on Sportsnet up in Vancouver, and he was talking about the Sedins. Their jersey was retired last night, of course, the parent club of the Comets. Uh, that was uh, awesome to watch. Uh, but, of course, back down here on the farm in the A, the Comets got a win over the Montreal Canadiens AHL affiliate 3-2. to two. Uh, What did you think overall? Michael DiPietro, of course, I thought came up big again. Absolutely. And uh, can we see the, the Comets come back from these one-goal deficits? You mentioned it on pregame over on the Brothers station that you'd love to see them actually get out to a lead. They didn't happen. They've been well, following a current trend of getting down. That's okay, though. You know, uh, I like the fight. I like that they uh, don't hang their heads. They're out there getting a, a, a comeback goal <laughs> three games straight now. Every every time. They've answered every time except for the Laval game a week ago. And, and he, how clutch is Reed Boucher? They, I was just going to say, I mean, and Bouche did what Boosh does, game-winning goals. He's just so consistent when he's in the lineup. He's got 27 on the year now. He's going to blow out the Comets, the Comets records. 
He's going to break his personal record. He was the MVP of the team last year. He's going to be the MVP of the team this year. I mean, it's just, it's nothing against anybody else on this roster, but he's just remarkable. He's having his best season yet. It was good to see Sven Verici get a goal, too, after two penalties earlier in the game that, you know, weren't really timed well. They weren't at good times for the Comets. He gets a goal. He didn't score, but it was also nice to see my man Cole Lynn get an assist on that goal. Uh, he's still making some plays. He, he's he's coming back around, I'm telling you. You watch. Keep your eye on Cole Lind. Yeah, I think he's going to be okay. And uh, like we spoke on yesterday uh, during pregame, maybe he's just hit a wall because it's the length of the season that these young players really have to get used to. I'm going to bring up another name. If you happen to miss... Utica Comets Insider on Monday on the Brother Station. Scoop and I, 7 to 8 every Monday, or the 72 Tavern. We had Jonah in studio, actually, this or week. here on Tuesday. I was just about to say, or the re-airing right here on ESPN, uh, Utica Rome, every Tuesday from 6 to 7. Well, I mean, he scored a goal, right? He scored the first goal of the game against Laval. Do you realize, let me just let me just emphasize this. Jonah Gadget has 12 goals. 12. Now, if you're a diehard Comets fan and you're looking at that roster, it's not the first name you think of. And he's not the guy you'd look down and go, whoa, you got 12 goals. Wow. He just gets me. He's just greasy in close. I mean, he, he said it was a weird deflection when we had talked to him uh, the other day when he had scored. He said it what, bounced off his skate? Yeah, it was bouncing around in there. Got it in close. Oli Ulevi uh, filtered yeah. a pass in there. But that's uh, how he gets a lot of his goals. Exactly right. But yeah, I'm 12 goals. That's not too bad at all. And credited with four shots on goal last night, which ties him for the team lead with Reed Boucher last night. You know what this says to me? From year one to year two and right now, he just keeps getting better. Everything that he told us about his process is working. He's getting better all around as a hockey player. It's just nice to see that 3-2 to win. The Delmonico's Italian Steakhouse Galaxy Cup it's underway again tomorrow. Game number seven against the Syracuse Crunch for Valentine's Day. I'm excited about that. Can I just point out that, uh, you know, Jonah Gadjevich was on Comets Insider. And, gosh, he scored last night. And uh, who has three straight wins in, in net after being on Comets Insider with us? That would be Mikey DiPietro. Yeah, there's something to that. Maybe we're a good luck charm. I don't know. Bo Hilovitz, a Utica City FC, who, by the way, they have a game tonight. They're down in Texas playing the Mesquite Outlaws at 835. Uh, he had a hat trick after he joined us this past Friday. Coincidence? S- I think not. On Sunday with the uh, like 11-3 win over the Rochester Nicole Lancers. Nicole Ruddy and the Clinton girls, they were on with us, and they won a championship, and they came back and were on with us again. It's a little, little Sportzilla rub right there. Something going Gary on. Heenan's won 12 straight. Hmm, he's been coming in with us. Look at the season that Sean Coffey's having. Coming in here with us. I, I was so doing, tomorrow on Who Lit It Up, it's going to be us. Yeah, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other people that actually have <laughs> sports talent that we end up talking about. Nick Ells is in studio with us also. Uh, we're going to let you shine when we talk about some Major League Baseball in a couple minutes, but any thoughts on the comments before we transition to talk about SU basketball, or would you prefer that we go right there, or are you still upset about the Comic Sans font that I use on the paper that I hand out with what we're going to talk about? Um, to answer your questions in the order, uh, no thoughts. Okay. I forgot the second question. Syracuse basketball. <laughs> Comic Sans upset me so much that I forgot the second question. <laughs> so you're still right there. Mm-hmm. 
What did you uh, what did you think of the NC State loss the other night? What is your overall opinion of Syracuse basketball as it stands right now? Because I got a few things I want to share with you about it. Well, I mean, it was a winnable game until you see Elijah Hughes had that injury before the game during pregames. You know, just something you don't like to see. And uh, it stings even more that NC State was a very winnable game on paper and just something like that the last minute took you out of it. They have seven games remaining in the season. Make a couple more threes. Yeah, you win they, that game. They got to start making some threes. And, and you you cannot argue the fact that having Elijah Hughes for the entire game was not having him for almost the entire game was the difference in that game. You add his 19-point scoring average. I think he's second in the ACC. Buddy's in fifth place. Well, there you go. There's the difference in the game. I mean, clearly they win this game, right? It's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, but you can pretty much say that probably would have been a win for Q's otherwise. You know, for him to pull his groin during pregame warmups and to play for 12 minutes in the first half, that's great. Scoop, let's go. We're 12 right now. He said it. He said He it. said pull groin. He, that's, a, that's a painful injury. Nobody wants to have to deal with that on the basketball court. Just trying to have a little fun talking sports. Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. Just reporting the news. Just reporting the news. Florida State and Louisville, number five, number eight. They are up next. They're both on the road. Uh, we were discussing what does Cuse have to do in order to get an at-large bid, to shrink the bubble that they're on if they want to make the tournament. Well, obviously winning those two games, but what's the record got to be? And we it does have to be. Get certain teams help out a little bit more depending on it. If they're quadrant one, two, three, or four, they got to win them all. Yeah, it just feels it's starting to feel that way. That lost NC State really hurt a lot. You know, they got. These these two next ones are tough ones, and say they win both of them. Well, you, then you don't want to lose any of the other games because then that's going to cheapen those two wins. You really got to just win out, take it one game at a time, win out. And gosh, hope that Elijah Hughes can suit back up and play. Here's what Syracuse has left on the season: it's Florida State, Louisville, uh, both away games. Then Georgia Tech. Then they're at Pittsburgh, North Carolina. That's a four o'clock game now. That's been confirmed. Uh, check out Syracuse's social media. Then they're at Boston College, and then they're at Miami. You know what I also noticed there? There's only a couple of more games that are home games this year. There's a lot of road games, and obviously it's harder to win on the road than it is at home. There is nothing as sweet as dome, sweet dome. We've heard that. I mean, the, the competitive advantage for Syracuse playing at home, it's significant, to say the least. I would agree, but they're good on the road this year. They seem to really play well and have a a good focus. You know, and it's the thing we talk about in hockey a lot of times. These these guys, especially in the NHL, uh, they hit the road and they they look at it as a business trip and sometimes they're more focused than they are at home with the distractions of being at home. Scoop, let me just stall for you for a quick second as I talk about a Syracuse-related Lawrence Moten who did just lose his Big E scoring record that is 25 years old. Tell everybody who did that. Uh, I was hoping to stall long enough for you to grab it. I don't have that name in front of me. It looks like... I believe it'd be Marcus Howard. It, there Marquette. you go. It looks like it's Marcus Howard. That's just because he cheated. Nick Ailes, and, no, man. I did not cheat. He cheated. No, I know things. Well, that's because the print's not in Comic Sans. <laughs> No, I didn't even look at it. I just know things. Which, by the way, you heard that game last night on ESPNUR. Thank you very much, Shameless Plug. See, that's why we bring the glue guy, the boss, in here. That's why we let the boss in the studio. That's the only only reason why? Okay. Quick background. Yeah, absolutely. Quick background on that. Uh, 
What was the score of that game? They lost, right? Even it was though- uh, Marquette's 72 to 71 loss at Villanova. But a t- and uh, Howard had 11 points in the last two minutes of the game, uh, 24 total, including a three point shot at the buzzer. To break Moten's record. There's a lot of guys out there. There are a lot of fans, a period of Syracuse basketball, that are going to remember poetry in Moten, those high socks, and a 25-year-old record. That's that's pretty pretty remarkable in this day and age with the three-pointers and the way the game's evolved and guys scoring. I, I eventually think that maybe that record gets broken as well. Last thing, Jay Billis puts out his tiers. Okay, there's four of them. Tier 1, 2, 3, and 4. National title favorites are Tier 1. Elite 8 is Tier 2. Sweet 16 is Tier 3. And then those that are on the bubble are Tier 4. Right now, Syracuse is listed as a Tier 4 team, but they're 14th ranked in Tier 4. So see the previous point. They've got to win a lot of these games, if not all, the vast majority, to give themselves a chance at the tournament. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk NFL. Miles Garrett reinstated. Tom Brady rumors and a couple of other questions answered on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. It's the SportsZilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Well, the furor over the Houston Astros continues and their lack of remorse and contrition, the inability for them to apologize Owner Jim Crane uh, really kind of contradicts himself uh, in his own statement today. And this is a cloud that's going to follow the Astros around the commissioner's office and Major League Baseball this year. Nick Ailes, tell everybody how long it took in that press conference for the owner of the Astros, Jim Crane, to contradict himself, as Scoop said. And then I'll air the receipts for you. Took him 55 seconds. 55 seconds. That is less than one minute, and it was crap. Nick Ells, by the way, is a biased Yankees fan, and so am I. Actually, I'm pretty unbiased. But if it was the Yankees that did this, I would say the same thing. I've got to be honest, because you've got to protect the game from stuff like this. Here it is, Scoop. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, you know, as the commissioner said in his report, he's not going to go backwards. Um, It's hard to to determine how it impacted the game, if it impacted the game, and that's where we're going to leave it. I'm not saying I didn't do it even though I did it, even though it's what I said and you have me on video and here's the audio. I mean, that's not what really happened. Don't believe your own eyes and ears. Not going to go backwards. Um, how do we go forwards from this? You how do we go forward, I guess I should say, from I, this? Black cloud hangs over Major League Baseball for the entirety of this season. Think about it's still kind of the steroid era still kind of permeates certain things. And every once in a while, there's still a PED suspension. But the general perception is that the game is for the most part cleared up. They've changed some of the penalties and things like that. But the fact remains, it took a while for that to happen. This doesn't go away overnight at all for the game. It is bad for the game. Well, this is the same mentality and frame of mind that led to the steroid issues. These guys win at all costs, incentive-laden contracts, 
wanting to to be better than the other guy, having to be better than the other guy. So you take steroids. So you steal signs. And it, it's interesting how when we got into last year, all these other teams, it turns out, were telling the Nationals, hey, the Astros are going to do this and they're doing that. You know, you got to watch the outfield, make sure they got uh, don't have a camera out there. You know, and all these other teams almost sort of rallied around the Nationals and started giving them information about how the Astros were cheating. So it was a well-known thing in Major League Baseball. Doug Glanville, who is an, a former player and an analyst for ESPN, said the Astros didn't do enough with their fake apology today because it really, there was, it was not convincing. My first reaction that it's incomplete. You know, certainly when you're watching that, you hear what happened and people want to know, well, what did happen? Well, you know, the specificity was omitted, and I'm sure that's by design. Uh, we have to recognize that behind the scenes, there's a, for, a pitcher named Mike Bolsinger who is suing the Astros, their LLC, uh, certainly trying to see if that will end up in court or trial. So that brings another element of how much they can actually reveal because it may well be used against them. So you also have the, the legal cloud, and then you have, of course, this court of, of public opinion. But they, they don't seem to be in the position or certainly willing to divulge more about how this actually went down. I'm sure there'll be more questions to come. Yeah, I think it just created even more questions. Doug Glanville, that's his voice you just heard in the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. But, Scoop, I want to air for everybody that might not have heard it. I have to assume that most have, other than SportsCenter or on the phone and social media, the actual apology from Altuve, Jose Altuve, and Alex Bregman. And you can see for yourself. I'll start with Alex Bregman's because it's robotic at the very least, clearly not written by him. And just the most generic load of it performed like he was visibly uncomfortable in his own skin when they brought him out. The the PR department for the Astros brought him, Altuve, and a few other players out to this press conference. They had the players out of there. It wasn't in 55 seconds, but it was in maybe like 90 to 120 seconds. Alex Bregman's BS apology. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with you all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team, by the organization, and by me. I have learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. Nick Ells, where do you stand with that? You, you find it to be, what do they call it? Bunk. That's what it is. Um, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Let me. It's a load of crap. How about this? In Comic Sans font, as I said to you earlier, GTFOH with that nonsense. Yeah, it's just really fake and see-through and all this crap. I, it, I've, I'll use the same analogy I used earlier. I'll, I'll substitute someone. What if I was like really mean to Matt, right? What if I made Matt cry? I liked you're directing this what to the glue I guy, made, not me. What if I made Matt cry and then I came back the next day and I sounded like that. I was like, I would like to apologize, apologize for the actions of my brain and my heart and my words. <laughs> it's believable. The fans of Matt. I would like to regain the trust of the friends of Matt. And I just I just went off like that. Is that an apology? No. No. No, it's like I just wrote it 
and then like forgot how to talk in between each of my senses. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I told like, it's just it's, so it's like see through and transparent and fake. It's just like it. It's it's wild that an apology has done more harm, has made the situation worse than when it started. That's absolutely an accurate <laughs> statement. Here's Jose Altuve's apology, which was really pretty much the same thing. We had a great uh, team meeting last night, and I want to say that the whole Astros organization and the team uh, feel bad about what happened in, in 2017. <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the game of baseball. And our team is determined to, to move forward, to play with intensity, and to bring back a championship to Houston in, in 2020. So how does everybody feel about Jose Altuve's apology? Well, I think it's the I'm sorry I got caught apology, which is I think what we're getting from a lot of these players in this saga and and management and ownership is we're sorry we got caught. There's not a genuine feeling of contrition there's no remorse. It's I'm sorry we got caught because they obviously had no problem doing any of this. I mean, come on. You're using video cameras to steal signs and banging on trash cans to tell your batter what the pitch is going to be. And they got away with it so much so that other teams knew they were doing it and wound up helping the na- the Nationals by by warning them about, hey, they do this, they do that. I mean, the league is also complicit in this because they allowed this to go on as long as it did as they are complicit with the steroid thing. Are you telling me the league didn't like all that money they were making from that home run derby between Sosa and McGuire? The cash registers were ringing. And now that it's an economic challenge to somewhat – uh, the league, because, oh, the league is full of cheaters, and the league looks bad, and it's bad PR. You know, ticket sales aren't that great anyways, you know, to be honest with you, for Major League Baseball. Scoop, preach. You're absolutely right. Spot-on analysis. So basically, Scoop, what you're telling me is, I, th- I think the glue guy has this summed up for us in about three seconds. This is an accurate description. If you're a South Park fan as well, you might appreciate this. Here is the Houston Astros press conference from today in its entirety. We are deeply sorry. Sorry. I'm just, can you play that one more time? Sorry. Just loop that for a couple more seconds. We are deeply sorry. Sorry. And hold on. Here, here's Jim Crane. Here, go ahead. Sorry. And here's Bregman. We are deeply sorry. Sorry. And I, I, it's... It's Jose Altuve. Here we go. Sorry. That, that nailed it for me. That's it. Let's take a break. ESPN Radio Utica Rome now at 96.5 FM. Be right back with the Sportsilla Show and some news from the NFL. We are deeply sorry. Sorry. How on earth did Michael call my bluff? Is he some sort of secret genius? <laughs> Sometimes I say crazy things. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. I'm getting my Snoop Dogg onto this beat. I mean, seriously, who put this one together, glue guy? Me. The boss. Pay the cost to be the boss. Remember that jam? Yeah. From the chooch to the palace? Uh, I think that was in that. 
right? That album from Snoop Dogg. And then like afterwards was drop it like it's hot. So I was, just, I was listening to some audio of when he was with Alex Faust, who used to call games. Oh, fill, that's fantastic. Fill in for Brendan Burke. But now, now he's the voice of the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Alex Faust is. But Snoop had jumped on last year and he called play by play for a period. And I had, was listening to that a little bit earlier. And I'm not even kidding you. I actually, if you stall for me for a second, I can dig this back out. I do believe I have that somewhere. Hold on a minute. Sorry. Doggy style. Thank you very much. You ready? No joke. Snoop Dogg doing a little play by play. Get it cracking then. Let's go. Snoop Dogg in the house. Let me see something. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man, to the middle of the ring. Let's go. That's legitimate. Uh, Alex Faust, along with Snoop Dogg, and uh, was it Jim <laughs> King, I think, is the color analyst oh. for the... You know, we need more Snoop Dogg in the booth. Jim Fox with uh, the Kings. That's his name, I believe. We do. He ended up calling a Lakers game, too. He did the the narration for that wildlife show, too. He jumps on with Martha Stewart still all the time. Like, they're, they're friends. Last Friday, Green Day made pizzas with Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart on the Ellen Show. That is a sentence that I never thought would leave my lips. How that, ironic that it's Green Day. So uh, <laughs> we uh, only have a minute or so left in the Sportzilla show today. So there's a lot of stuff NFL related that we want to talk about, which we will do in depth tomorrow. But I want to put a couple things out there. Miles Garrett reinstated by your Browns after his suspension for the helmet swinging thing with Mason Rudolph. Tom Brady to the Raiders is really gaining a lot of traction. And I think it's obviously Why? for clickbait and, and reasons like that. But they're speculating the Raiders for him, which blows my mind. Philip Rivers, where's he going to end up? And last but not least, Scoop brought to our attention something happened in MVCC tonight. The American Ninja Warriors are there, right? That's with uh, Daniel Gill, Jonathan Horton, tonight at Schaefer Theater at Wilcox Hall. That is a great find, Scoop. 7 p.m., and uh, there'll be a lot of happy Ninja Warrior fans there tonight. It was 10 bucks, right? 10 bucks. The Sportzilla Show back tomorrow at 5 o'clock. ESPN Radio Utica, Rome, now 96.5 FM. Have a good one.